What is up, Janksters? It's your boy, Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet. And in today's show, I wanted to talk about a card that I actually recently put into a deck, and it's shockingly fun. This was actually requested by Ryan over in the YouTube comments, so thank you, Ryan, appreciate it. And that is Cavalier of Gales. Now, I wanna talk about specifically about Cavalier of Gales, but I also might bring up the other Cavaliers as we go, because Cavalier of Gales was actually part of a cycle that came out in M19. So it came out a couple years ago now, but it is on Arena, and it's a card that I know I play with quite a bit. Cavalier of Gales is an elemental knight. It is a 5-5 flyer for two blue, blue, blue. When Cavalier of Gales enters the battlefield, draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. When Cavalier of Gales dies, shuffle it into its owner's library, then scry two. So this is an interesting design because that enter the battlefield effect is the spell Brainstorm. Now Brainstorm is an instant for only one blue and is a card that's actually banned in a number of formats and is like really defining in the decks or in the formats where it is legal. Um, interestingly enough, when Strixhaven first came out, Brainstorm was legal in Historic for like a month and then it got banned uh, because all the top decks were running four copies of Brainstorm. If you have access to it, you just do it. Now, being able to draw three cards and then select any two cards in your hand, not just from among the cards you drew, but any two cards in your hand and tuck them, or put them back on top of your library, it doesn't really sound super impressive because in theory, those are the next two cards you're gonna draw and you can set up the order. So, you know, okay, that's kind of nice. In formats where thought seize is legal, it's very useful because if you, so if you believe your opponent is about to thought seize you or you're worried that they might, then what you can do is you can brainstorm um, or even in response to your opponent's thoughtsies, you can brainstorm, take whatever cards you most especially want to make sure you have and put them on top of your library knowing you're gonna draw them because then thoughtsies, they're not an issue. Um, but the real power comes in taking two cards that aren't gonna help you, either redundant lands or really high cost spells that you're not gonna be able to cast early anyway. Tuck them on top of your library and then do something that causes you to shuffle your library, such as cracking a fetch land, even something as simple as an Evolving Wilds. Now, in older formats like Legacy and in Modern, um, the, you're generally gonna be using like the Onslaught fetch lands that allow you to go grab, you know, forests, mountains, whatever basic land type of your choice, your Scalding Tarns, your Marsh Flats, those kinds of things. So that'll do the job, like, because it fixes your mana beautifully, it also shuffles away the cards you don't want, you draw some, you know, other goodies that hopefully you can use. It's all very powerful stuff. Now, the reason that I go on that tangent about Brainstorm is because Cavalier of Gales here has Brainstorm as its ETB. But not only does it have Brainstorm as its ETB, its death trigger creates a shuffle effect. <laughs> so if you drop Cavalier of Gales, tuck two cards away, and then Cavalier of Gales dies before you draw, you shuffle those cards away. And then you scry two, so you can select what, what the next card you draw, practically. Or at least you get good selection to tee up your next draw, um, which is really cool. So the fact that like Cavalier shuffles itself into its owner's library upon death means that unless your opponent exiles it, it's kinda gonna be a factor forever. Like, it just is. And a 5-5 flyer on the board needs to be respected. Like, compared to certain cards that we see nowadays, like Haughty Jins and whatnot, like, Haughty Jins' power could be, like, 7 or 8 pretty consistently. You know, Cavalier of Gales, like, yes, Cavalier can trade for a Haughty Jin because its toughness is only 4, but you're not going to be building a deck around Cavalier of Gales the way you do Jin in Standard right now. Even if Cavalier was in Standard right now, I think it might see some play, but probably not a lot, to be honest. Maybe as, like, a 1 or 2 of... 
but like if it, you were to just drop it in the current standard like it doesn't fit the current mono blue deck at all really and i don't think it's good enough for another deck to pick it up now the one thing that it has going for it which is pretty fantastic is the three blue pips in its casting cost now i cite that as a good thing i cite that as an advantage uh specifically because of the devotion mechanic if you are running cards that care about devotion, you want to have mana values that have the, the colored pips in them because that's how you count, calculate your devotion. So Cavalier Gales brings three along with it. Now, there's the obvious downside of any casting cost being half of one color makes it a little more difficult to splash. You know, so we have a five drop, but three has to be blue. So you need to be in a heavy blue deck. Now, if you're in a blue devotion deck, which is honestly the deck that I, I mentioned at the top, the deck I recently built in Explorer is a mono blue devotion deck. And it has Cavalier of Gales in it because it's a strong body that the opponent needs to deal with and it brings three devotion to the party. So my Nykthos is all of a sudden online, even if I don't have anything else online, but obviously, hopefully I have more, but still, your Nykthoses and your Nyx Lotuses and that kind of thing can really benefit from this in a pretty cool way. So uh, Cavalier of Gales is pretty powerful in that regard. Now, the, there are other Cavaliers as well. As I mentioned, this is part of a cycle, and all of them cost three of their respective color. Uh, they, they're all five drops. They're all elemental knights, and they have an enter the battlefield trigger and a death trigger. So let's do a quick kind of around the horn and take a look at all these. So we also have Cavalier of Dawn. This is the white one. Two white, 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 elemental light for a 4-6 Vigilance. So decent stats. When it enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a 3-3 colorless golem artifact creature token. When Cavalier of Dawn dies, return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So this is especially valuable if you have, uh, if you have like a blood token or an Iker Wellspring or like... You know, any little something, Power Stone tokens would be great for this too. Like, if you have an artifact or something else just lying around that you're not going to work with, uh, you could just destroy it and upgrade it into a 3-3 Golem. So that's pretty cool. Also, it is removal. So if your opponent has an Arcane Bombardment with two spells under it, well, Cavalier of Dawn can drop and blow it up and they get a 3-3 Golem for their troubles. So that's pretty great. You know, if your opponent has something that's taken over the game, you can just say no to that. Because the Cavalier of Dawn itself has a 4-6, Vigilance no less, can attack through and defend a 3-3 Golem no problem. So, cool. Like, you're giving your opponent something that is not really a factor. And then if it dies, being able to return artifacts or enchantments from your graveyard to your hand is pretty great. So it's going to your hand, so it's not going to play, but still, you do get to recycle a card. You know, it replaces itself when it dies. So not bad. Good stuff. And again, triple white devotion. Let's go. Next up, we have Cavalier of Thorns. Now, if you have played Pioneer or Explorer since Explorer Anthology 2 drops, you have probably seen this card. Uh, if you played Historic back in the day, like before, Histor uh, before Explorer showed up, you may have seen this card too. It is very powerful and very potent. Of all of them, you could argue that this might actually be the best. I know it's the one that sees the most play in Eternal formats right now. So Cavalier of Thorns, what does it do? Two green, green, green. For a 5-6 reach. So 5-6 reach for 5 already. We, that carries 3 devotion. When Cavalier of Thorns enters the battlefield, reveal the top 5 cards of your library. Put a land card from among them onto the battlefield. And the rest into your graveyard. Now note, it does not enter tapped. So the reason that's especially potent in Pioneer and Explorer right now is because Nykthos, Shrine to Nyx, is a thing. And if you don't have Nykthos down, once you get to your five mana, which 
that mono green deck, it runs four Lanoir Elves and four Elvish Mystics. So you can do that on turn four or even three if you get a good draw. And all of a sudden, Cavalier of Thorns can drop Nykthos directly onto the battlefield untapped. And you can just go to town. Uh, but wait, there's more. When Cavalier of Thorns dies, you may exile it. If you do, put another target card from your graveyard on top of your library. So you get to tee up your next draw. And it can be anything in your yard. Yard. So whatever, if you have milled a decent amount, again, this mills it mills a little bit, so it puts a couple things into your yard. If you had another like major, you know, maybe your opponent blew up the Knicks with like a field of ruin or something of that nature, you could tee it up and go grab it again. Um, your opponent killed your Nissa, put that on top so you draw it next turn. Like, and on top of that, it's just a five-six reacher. This thing is a stop sign. If you're trying to get through in combat, good luck. Yeah, and then if it dies in combat, like you're just giving your opponent like a benefit by letting them pick their draw. Like this thing's nuts, dude. Like I, of all the Cavaliers, I think Cavalier of North Cavalier of Thorns is possibly the strongest. And it also, like I said, carries the three devotion with it. So the mono green devotion decks love this thing. Now, next Cavalier we're going to talk about is going to be one of my personal favorites. Uh, I have two that I absolutely adore on this list. And there's actually the last two we're going to talk about for very different reasons, but the next one is Cavalier of Flame. I love this card and I've played, of all of them, I've probably played this card the most because it fits with uh, in any deck using Fires of Invention. If you drop Fires of Invention on four into a Cavalier of Flames on five, oh, you're doing it. You're doing the thing. So what does Cavalier of Flames do? It is a six, five Elemental Knight for two red, red, red. So in this case, we have a six, five rather than a five, six and we've seen some of the other ones. So it's more power, very appropriate for red. You can pay one in a red. Creatures you control, all creatures you control, get plus one, plus zero, and gain haste until end of turn. When Cavalier Flame enters the battlefield, discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards. When Cavalier Flames dies, it deals X damage to each opponent and each Planeswalker they control, where X is the number of land cards in your graveyard. Now, the land cards in the graveyard thing is kind of random. Like, that doesn't really synergize with any plans out there in red that I'm aware of. You know, like, my immediate reaction is, oh, why wouldn't I build something with, like, Slowgurk the Overslime or Titania that also care about having lands in your graveyard? And I guess you could, theoretically, but, like, with triple red, the idea of building, like, a teamer like Cavalier of Flame graveyard filler thing. Like it doesn't really, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think the main benefit uh, is if you end up discarding lands to the first ability, then you get paid off with the second. I think is, is kind of the joke here. But like I said, in Fires of Invention specifically, the reason that that's so powerful, Fires of Invention as printed, in Historic, this isn't necessarily the case, but in as, as printed, it is a four drop. In Historic, it's five. But, so in Explorer and other formats, it's a four drop that says you can only cast two spells a turn and you can only cast spells on your turn. But you can cast spells with mana value equal to the number of lands you control or less for free. So you can just get free spells. You, do, you still have to play lands, but you don't tap them for mana. So the reason that's impressive is if you can drop the Cavalier of Flames on five, all your mana is still up. You can pay two immediately and give it haste. Plus you can cast whatever the other thing is. And if you don't have any other cards in your hand that you can cast, or if they're all like cheap setup cards that you no longer need because fires is on the field, you discard them to that first ability and you might spin into a good, another good five drop. Maybe a second Cavalier, maybe a Perforos Bronze Blooded or an Ilharg the Razebore if you're nasty like I am. And uh, yeah, things can get really, really fun. 
So Cavalier Flame is a sweet setup card. It fills your graveyard. So if you care about that, if you're doing any kind of reanimator strategy, it does that while being a threat your opponent has to answer. Like that's the trick, right? If you can do, if you can set up a game ending strategy using a card that itself can be a game ending card, if unanswered, then you're doing the thing because your opponent has to spend their interaction dealing with Cavalier Flame and they don't set up, you know, they don't have the interaction then to deal with whatever you're about to do next. So pretty cool stuff. And if they kill it, you might be able to dome them for a couple damage. So sweet, nothing wrong with that. In formats where you're using fetch lands, like the, you know, the fa fabled passages, evolving wilds, those kinds of things, or just a good old fashioned fetch lands, th this is like the amount of damage you can do with this is kind of gross. <laughs> Like, so it's pretty cool. I like this card a lot. I think it's actually very strong. And like I said, I use it. Like, honestly, it's one of those. If you're running Fires of Invention, you probably want this in your deck. At least like a three of. Maybe at least a two of. Probably like a three or four of. Because it's just, it's so good at what it does. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And it's a haste enabler. So now any other creatures that you play later in the game, if you have two mana lying around after they've dropped, you can just give them haste. And a power boost for good measure. It's fantastic. This card rules. Now, the next up, so the last Cavalier that we haven't talked about yet today is the Cavalier of Night, the black one. Possibly the weakest in the cycle, if I'm honest. It's just not particularly strong. It just doesn't quite do what you want. But I still think it's a really cool card, and I like it a lot. It is a 4-5 Elemental Knight with lifelink for two black, black, black. So the mana value follows the same convention as all the other ones. But you'll notice it has the weakest body of all of them. Uh, prior to this, the, the weakest one we saw was the Cavalier of Gales, where we started at a 5-5. Five, five. Cavalier of Knight's only a 4-5. Lifelink is a big deal, though. You know, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised it's not like a 5-5 five, five Death Toucher. But instead, we have a 4-5 Lifelinker, so okay. When it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, destroy target creature and opponent controls. That's not bad, right? Uh, being able to sacrifice creatures at a whim is really useful if you're sacrificing shambling ghasts, eye twitches, things that give you benefit when they die. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then being able to just blow up something the opponent controls. I mean, in a way, this is like, if you have sack fodder in your deck, this is better than a ravenous chupacabra in a lot of cases. I'm not saying something because chupacabra is pretty sweet. But then, okay, we have the death trigger as well. When Cavalier of Night dies... Return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Oh, sorry, I'm using the, the text. Um, yeah, converted mana cost, mana value. For anyone who's joined Magic in the last year, that's what that means. Um, so mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So it's it automatically reanimates your Luris, your, um, uh, what is it? Uh, there's, there's Luris, you've got... Um, Things well, any of the little sack fodders, woe striders, those kinds of things all come back to the field. I have a lot of soft spots in my in, in my heart for Cavalier of Night because it has possibly the highest janky combo potential out of all of them. Um, most of them they just do something powerful when they hit the board. They either remove a thing or you know they they, they remove stuff. They buff your team. They filter your hand in the case of uh, Gales and Flame. Like, okay, so they do good stuff. When they die, they can also have good impacts on the board. And they're all very powerful and potent in their own ways. Cavalier of Night has a couple of cool things going for it, though. Like, one of the things that I absolutely adore about this is uh, there's an infinite combo you can pull off with Cavalier of Night and uh, Glasspool Mimic or, what, I believe it's uh, Mirror Entity. There's a, 
there's a two and a blue, it enters as a copy of a creature you control. But Glass Pool Mimic does the job for sure as well. If you have that down, what you do is um, you play the Glass Pool Mimic. Actually, let me see. Uh, no, you, you. I think you have to have two of them, if I'm not mistaken. Because you have to drop the glass. You have to have a glass pool mimic in your yard. You play the glass pool mimic, copying Cavalier of Night. You sacrifice something, like like, or you sacrifice. Sorry, you sacrifice the Cavalier of Night, um, and then destroy something, and then you use the the Cavalier of Night trigger to go grab another glass pool mimic or a mirror entity from your graveyard, have it enter the battlefield as a copy of the other Cavalier of Night. And then you can you sacrifice, you know, sacrifice the other Cavalier of Night, the other Glass Bowl Mimic, to pull it back out of your graveyard again. And you can do that over and over and over and over. So there's there's a loop with with three mana clones that you can do with this. Add a Blood Artist to the to the mix. Um, you know, all of a sudden you have infinite damage. So that that's an infinite loop combo that is like kind of dumb but kind of neat. The other personal, um, the other personal affinity that I have for Cavalier of Night is back in the day when I was first getting started on MTG Arena, Cavalier of Night was the very first mythic wild card I ever spent. Uh, I don't want to think about how many I've spent in the meantime, because it's a lot, but, uh, Cavalier of Night was the one back in the day that really, it was the first one where I figured out how to use like the wild card system when I was first getting started with the game. And I picked up a Cavalier of Night uh, to fit into a reanimation deck I was doing at the time. It was a Rakdos reanimator. It was pretty rough, to be honest, but I gotta be, I gotta say, if you can pull up a Bond of Revival uh, to make a hasty Dracuseth coming out of your graveyard, feels pretty good. It's not actually good, but when it works, it's sweet. Anyway, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for checking out the video. Um, and thank you for checking out the podcast if, if you're listening on audio. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I'll catch you on the next one.